This is the Top Agents Playbook Podcast, episode 59. Welcome to the Top Agents Playbook Podcast, the very best tips, tools, and ideas from real estate's top performers. Now, here's your host, Ray Wood. Hi, everybody, and welcome back to the show. If you lived in Australia in the late 70s, the 80s, or even the early 90s, it would have been almost impossible not to notice blonde Queensland swimming sensation Lisa Curry. In a stellar 23-year career, Lisa won a staggering 30 international swimming medals, including 15 gold. She represented our country in three Olympics, she's been awarded the Order of Australia, and among many other accolades, was inducted into the Australian Hall of Fame in 1985. It's difficult to dig deep into someone's life in a short interview like this, let alone someone who's achieved so much. But what you'll get is a very open glimpse into the career of a champion willing to share her highs and lows so that others may benefit, as I'm sure you will. Working with and inspired by some of the great coaches, Lisa takes us behind the scenes and explains how she's continuing their work in her own way. Her post-career life as a mum and successful entrepreneur is a story in itself, as you'll discover. Lisa's passion for health and fitness is inspiring people every day to shape up and squeeze a little more juice out of life, so make sure you check the show notes to learn more about Lisa's highly successful KISS program. If you're serious about getting in shape, some of the success stories from people Lisa has worked with are amazing. Okay, let's do it. Well, Lisa Curry, welcome to the Top Agents Playbook Podcast. How are you doing? Very well, Ray. Thank you for joining me uh, this morning. I know you're a super busy lady. I just wanted to have this chat. Um, I know you're not a real estate agent. Have you have you, have you? you sold or bought property recently? I guess you have. Well, I have. And funnily enough, my dad was a real estate agent. Okay. And back in the early days in Brisbane, a lot of people may remember, he was Curry and Mooney. Okay. And Whereabouts? his prediction was uh, in Brisbane Okay. Uh, at, at uh, um, Rochdale. Okay. And his prediction was that one day Brisbane would be connected to the Gold Coast. And, of course, everyone laughed at him then. But you know what? It, it's pretty much come true. It so is. Yeah. Real estate has been a big part of our lives for many, many years. In fact, every Sunday we used to go, um, much to our distaste, we really didn't want to drive around. But Dad used to take us driving around looking at houses and land and you know, that's our first taste of it. Yeah, yeah. That's um, it probably had a big impression on you when you were growing up, I guess. Yes. Well, I haven't um, made really good real estate um, uh, investments over the years. I have a block of land um, at Russell Island. I don't know if you know where that is. It's off Victoria Point in Brisbane. Okay. And it was back in the days when um, Russ Hins became very friendly with Joe Bielka Peterson and said they were going to put a bridge over to Russell Island. So, <laughs> okay. of course, everybody bought blocks of land yep. over there, and then the, the bridge didn't go through. So I still have my block of land that I pay rates on every quarter, and, uh, yeah, probably not a great investment. But, you know, my sister sold her for very good money, so yep. I'm probably waiting until the, the market comes up a little bit before I sell it. We need another rust to build another bridge. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe not. Um, so, yeah, it was just uh, – I was interested to speak with you um, probably from a non-real estate point of view because, uh, as my listeners know, I mainly focus on real estate people. So 
I was interested, I guess, in your your history and your journey and your story. Um, and I'm just I, di- I did a bit of uh, looking at, at your stats: fifteen gold, um, seven silver, and eight bronze in international swimming, which is amazing. And I think the only Australian swimmer to have held a Commonwealth and Australian record in everything except backstroke. Is that right? That's right. And from distances from fifty up to four hundred, so you know, quite versatile. But that was quite on purpose because my coach said to me one day, what do you want to concentrate on? What events do you want to concentrate on? And I said, oh, 120 breaststroke, the 120 freestyle, the 100 butterfly, the 240 medley. And he said, hang on, hang on, you can't be good at everything. <laughs> and I thought, well, why not? Yep. I, I couldn't understand why I couldn't do well at all these different events because I trained for the individual medley anyway. Um, but it was kind of one of those moments where I thought, why can't I do that? Yep. You know, how dare someone say you can't do that? Because you actually can do anything if you put your mind to it and do the work. And it's it's something that's really stuck with me for, for many, many years. And I think maybe sometimes I think about where did I get this drive from? Where did I get this, um, you know, inner feeling of I can do anything from? And I you know, dad being in real estate and he did go bankrupt three times, but he, he clawed his way back and he, he got back on top again. And, yes. you know, may, maybe that's, he left me something there. Yeah. Yeah. I was, I was interested to learn more about that. Um, the, uh, the pure desire, which is, which is something I guess that you're either born with or not. Would you agree? Yeah. I think desire comes from passion. Um, if you are completely passionate about something, um, then it becomes easy. It's not a chore. And growing up in Brisbane, um, you know, it was really hot. Uh, I used to do um, music lessons. Um, we had a nun that taught us. And I didn't practice. So, you know, I used to get hit on the wrists and the knuckles with a ruler, which I didn't like. Um that's Funnily amazing enough, that that happens, eh? Or that, that that happened, yeah. No, I know. I was I was like, you know, eight, nine, ten years of age. But yep. my brother continued with the lessons, and he's a very, very um, successful classical pianist in Europe now. So, oh, wow. Okay. You know, I yeah, yeah. So, um, you know, I did piano lessons, and I did um, um, jazz ballet as well. But just one day, it was way too hot, and Mum said, let's go down to the pool for a swim. So I went down to the pool and must have caught the eye of the coach down there, Harry Gallagher, and he had coached Gorn Fraser. Wow. And he saw me swimming. Yeah. He asked me to come over and swim across the pool for him a couple of times, which I did. And then he wanted me to join his squad. So the next day I joined his squad and that was the start of this amazing journey yeah. that I've been on. And seriously, I, I can count on one hand the amount of days or even workouts that I didn't want to be there. Um, I loved every moment of my swimming career. I had no regrets. Everything was just fantastic. I loved all the training. I loved coming home where I was exhausted, Um, you know, and standing behind the blocks was the icing on the cake. So, you know, all those days of it being extremely hard work, that was just what I did. And my friends were there. It's where I wanted to be. And... I wouldn't change a thing. Yeah. Did did your coach um, skill you up on how to prepare for a big event, like how to get a night's sleep? I guess diet was, was diet a huge thing when you were starting out? Look, 
um, to be honest, um, before you stand up on the blocks, there's so many things that have to be considered. My first coach, Harry Gallagher, he, um, not long after I started with him, he, he wanted to come and talk to my mum and dad. And he said, he came over to our house and he said, Mr. and Mrs. Curry, one day Lisa is going to be one of Australia's fastest freestylers. You better get her teeth straightened because she's going to have a photograph taken a lot. <laughs> now, this was at the age of 10. So this man that I barely knew planted a seed in my mind that one day I could be really fast and go to the Olympic Games. And it just so happened that that same year, 1972, Shane Gould won three Olympic gold medals. So I did my projects on Shane at school and she had blonde hair and I had blonde hair. And I thought, well, I'll go to the Olympics because I look like a swimmer. (laughs) But I had no idea of the work that went into it. And so the first day I started training with him, he said, okay, just dive in and do a thousand. Well, I didn't know what he meant. A thousand laps, a thousand strokes. I had no idea. So I just dived in and swam until I was told to stop. So I was very coachable as a child. Um, And these days, sometimes when you coach children, particularly teenagers, and you get the back answering and they think they know it all and I don't want to do that. You know, that I think is an attitude issue that we have with kids these days. In my day, like playing piano and getting hit on the knuckles, you know, you were told what to do and you didn't question it. You know, so um, I became very good very early because I did what I was told. And so not long after I started with him, um, he left to go to Canada coaching. So I had to find another coach. So that was difficult um, because where do you go? How do you find a great coach? How do you find the person that's going to, take you to where you want to go Um, and so people had told me about this gruff old coach that yelled at his kids um, Joe King and so we went to visit him one day at the Valley Pool in Brisbane and um, he used to tell the story as he turned around and saw me walking towards him he was so happy that I walked into the pool because he'd seen me swim as a 12 year old and he said geez I'd love to coach that kid one day wow and that day that I walked in was like, you know, happy days for him. And so Mr. King was the one that taught me how to prepare to race. Okay. But he also taught me how to um, deal with winning, with losing, with goal setting. He said to me, every time you eat something, ask yourself, is this going to make me faster, fitter and stronger? And if the answer is no, then you don't eat it. Um, he also used to get me to close my eyes and visualize being where I wanted to be. And um, he was really like my father to me, my second father. I spent a lot more time with Mr. King at the pool than I did with my own dad. Um, you know, I trained 14 times a week each time for two to three hours at a time. And it was my second home and I loved it. So I think all my philosophies, all my learnings I've had over the years really did come from Mr. King. Yeah. Did you ever train under Laurie Lawrence? Laurie trained us during training camps when we were preparing for the Olympics. Right. Um, And sometimes I think I needed a dose of Laurie um, because he's brutally honest and he yells at you. He just screams and yells at you. And Mr. King was not like that at all. Mr. King was very gentle and very soft. 
and you do the work, you get the results. When I won my first big race, I was so excited and I looked up into the stands and Mr. King was um, sitting there and all he did was nod his head and that was like, we did it. Yep. You know, yep. and we've seen we've seen Laurie where he goes nutso and, you know, screams and yells and hits people on heads with newspapers and stuff like that. But sometimes I wished I had just a little bit more Laurie in my life, particularly at the end of my career when, you know, you're older, there's a little bit of self-doubt, you know, you're just you not quite sure. Yeah, you're just wanting that extra little little bit of a, you know, nudge and a pat on the back. Yep. But Laurie, you know, he's he's a great coach, great results. I've heard it say that. Um, I've heard it said that uh, uh, an athlete and a coach with their great relationship, the athlete will obviously compete for the coach. I mean, the the coach is kind of driving them, and the, and it's the coach that they want to impress. Um, I think when people ask me, you know, who my role model was, who I put on a pedestal, you know, was there another swimmer that you idolised? It wasn't. It was my coach. I put him on a pedestal. I listened to every word he said. I watched him. I did everything he asked of me. And he he was my hero. Um, and yes, I did it for him. But at the same time, you do it because you love it. Yeah. Um, at the end of the day, you win or you don't. You come first or you come last yep. or anywhere in between. But it's – and what I've learned now – and, you know, it, obviously it comes with age and with experience and hindsight is it's not actually whether you win or not. It's what it makes of you trying to win. Okay. Because what it makes of you will always be far greater than what you ever get actually winning. Because winning is nice, but it's really temporary. So you win a gold medal or you win an award or whatever it is, you know, you get pat on the back, you stand on the dais, you have the flag raised behind you and wave to the crowd, everyone takes your photos and then you go home, you go to bed, put your medal next to your bed and then you go to sleep. Eight hours later when you wake up, you are like everyone else. Yeah. You are back to square one. Last yeah. night you were a winner, what are you today? You are still trying to either prove yourself or do something. You know, it's a really temporary feeling. But at the same time, you can't ever relive that moment. Like that moment is one of the best that you'll ever have. Yep. So you're constantly trying to find things in your life that um, make you feel like you did when you win. And this is one of the problems that we have with athletes these days is when they retire, they're always looking for something to make them feel like they did when they won. And it's really hard to yep. do that. Yep. Um, and we have a very high um, amount of athletes who find themselves depressed, um, they don't know what to do, they don't know which way to turn and, you know, it's really important that we nurture these young kids to realise that, you know, winning's good but it's, it's actually not everything when you look at, you know, your whole life as a whole. Yeah, yeah, well that's that's a bit about your personal story. We were talking just before I press record and um, because I want to ask you about your KISS, your KISS program. Um, in fact, why don't we get into that now? Because that that really interests me. Um, what, mm -hmm. One of the the one of the things that you're doing at the moment uh, it's uh, it's a weight weight loss and fitness program called Kiss. Keep it simple, sweetheart. Yes. Um, and yes. there's so much confusion, Lisa, around maintaining a healthy lifestyle, diet, and exercise. How does Kiss work, and what makes it different? Well, what happened is a little story leading up to why I actually did it. Um, I 
had a heart issue in 2008, and I actually have a defibrillator. So it took away all the fun of my competing. I used to go out on the ocean and, you know, I used to just get on the ocean and paddle to Noosa, yep. and someone would pick me up four hours later. Wow. So I got a defibrillator, and it took away that freedom that I have. It's like cutting off the hand of a pianist. You know, it's, you feel like part of you was missing. And so um, what happened is I, I kept eating what I used to eat and, of course, stacked on the weight. Yep. And I did a reality show on TV. And, of course, it was 24-hour room service. We didn't have time to exercise at all. There were drinks every night. And, you know, it was fun. It was social. It was fun until I couldn't even do the zip-up on my jeans. I thought, <laughs> oh, shit, I've done it now. And because, you know, you're having fun at the time, but then when you can't put your pants on, it's yeah. a bit hard. So yeah. the show was on TV. My dad rang me and said, Lisa, are you okay? And I said, yeah, why? And he said, because you look a bit fat on TV. Oh, thanks, Dad. And I thought, oh, God. Um, no, but I knew, I knew. I knew. He was right. And, you know, quite often if a parent says that to a child these days, you know, they just go, oh, you know, and just throw the big, biggest tantrum. But yeah. I actually knew he was right. And I was coming up to my 50th birthday. I knew that the magazines wanted to do a story, and in true form, they wanted me to wear a bikini. Mm-hmm. So I thought, oh my God, what am I going to do? So I wrote my own program and lost 13 kilos in five months. Wow. And I, you know, I looked great for my 50th. I looked you know, in really great shape, and, but it was the eating plan that really made a difference. I mean, you can't out-train your fork. Sure. You know, you, you can't <laughs> go out there and train your backside off and then eat you know, I think you can eat what you like. So this eating plan um, worked. Um, it was, and I'm not a cook, so it was really simple. It was easy to follow. There was no food wastage. I doubled up on meals to make it simple for myself. And so I went to a couple of publishers and to write a book about it, and they didn't want to bother me. Okay. They said, no, 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 been there, done that. You know, you've done a few books. We don't want to do it anymore. I said, oh. But, and then, you know, I went to three publishers and they all said the same thing. And I, you know, and that in itself, you know, was rejection. It yeah, was that would have hurt. doubting what I had. Yeah, I mean, it was hard. Mm-hmm. Um, so I thought, well, why don't I just put it into an online program and I'll call it KISS, keep it simple because that's what it is. Yeah. And I haven't changed that eating plan in nearly five years because it works. Okay. Because food is only... A fuel. Food is only um, there to keep us alive. And I know chefs would hate me saying that, but that's the reality of it. Um, And if you think about the reason why you eat, it's only to keep yourself alive, to keep all your bodily functions going. And if you eat well, it actually does prevent a lot of diseases, a lot of illnesses. So, you know, it became a really big part of my life. You add in the fitness after it and, um, you know, it's been going for nearly five years and it's incredible. I have, I have people who lose 10, 20, 30, 37 kilos one girl lost. And, that, you know, that took um, a year yeah. to lose. But these people, it's changed their lives. Well, I'm going to uh, I'm going to post a link to the in the show notes to to the site and the program so people can check it out. I was having a earlier today. I was having a bit of a look actually, and some of the results there that that um, that that people have achieved with this program is, is exceptional. Um, so, well, if uh, you look at the the guy on my website, the, the first guy that you see, Brian Mead, is yep, his name. Yep. That that's his week one and week ten photo. Yeah, and, that's awesome. You know, his his gut has just gone. Yep. And he lost, I think, it was thirteen kilos in yep. ten weeks, and that's what can happen. So, 
when you think about how that improves your quality of life as well, um, in fact, I had another guy, Aaron, he's since lost um, over 30 kilos, but he lost 18 kilos in the 10 weeks, but then he was in a boating accident, okay. and he was the spotter for the skier behind the boat, right. and um, the brakes failed on the boat, and they hit a pontoon, but just before they hit the pontoon, he saw the driver bail, and so he bailed as well. Um, he still broke his hip and his leg, but his doctor said if he if he hadn't lost all of that weight, there's no way in the world he would have been quick enough to be able to yeah. get out of the boat. Yeah, wow. And so, you know, at, at the moment we have an obesity rate of around about 70%. It Is doesn't it matter high? what wow. industry you're in. Yes, yeah. it's at 72% in Bundaberg last wow. year, which was the most obese town in Australia. Wow. Um, but when you think about it, we're just eating too much of the wrong foods, you know, drinking a lot of alcohol, our activity levels are low, our stress levels are high, and it's all compounding into this really unhealthy country that we have. Yeah, yeah. well, there is a lot of sugar in Bundaberg, Lisa. Yeah, there is. <laughs> there's lots of sugar and there's lots of rum. <laughs> yeah, yeah, so it's something going on there. So as far as um, as far as far the your program goes, uh, success, is it, are people getting these results? Is is it a ten week thing, or is it? Uh, are you hoping that people adopt your meal plan and and well, I guess obviously people are adopting your meal plan and lifestyle and and because they're seeing results. Yes, well, it is ten weeks. I actually have five different programs. They progress from one to the next. Okay. Um, but it's ten weeks. But if people have you know twenty kilos to lose, that's going to take longer than ten weeks. So the beauty of my programs is you don't have to purchase another program you can actually just repeat the same program yep. um, and keep it going and my hope is that people understand what healthy clean eating is all about and basically if you can find you know five or six favorite breakfasts snacks lunches and dinners all you have to do is repeat it and then when you go out on a friday night you have what you like have pizza have fries have beer and the next morning you come straight back onto it because that's the secret of people who are in good shape all the time is if they eat well most of the time yep. and the other times you know they enjoy because my all my programs are about balance yeah so you know we're not going to the olympic games and we don't want to sit on the couch so somewhere in between we have to find that really happy balance okay okay tell me about your round australia uh trip was that was that last year that the program that you did that was a couple of years ago okay and um what what happened there was I was in hospital. I had a um, I had an infection in my defibrillator, so I was on heavy antibiotics, and I was ended up being in hospital for a month. Wow! Which is a really boring place to be, and so I worked out that if I walked around the ward ten times, that was a kilometre. Yep. So every time I had my drip off, I'd go for a walk. So yep. I'd I'd talk to some of the other patients because a lot of people don't get um, visitors. So I'd only been talking to the guy in the next room the day before and then this morning about seven o'clock in the morning all the alarms were going off there were people running everywhere and this guy passed away oh gosh and because i was talking to him the day before i mean of course i was really upset because that was someone's father someone's brother someone's yeah. son yeah. and all of a sudden his life ceased to exist and I thought, what can I do to help prevent this from happening to other families? And that's where I thought, I'm going to go out to the people. I'm going to go around Australia because I find that one-on-one, -on -one, when I'm actually in front of people, 
you get a lot more interaction. It's amazing how many people come to my conferences and my talks and they're in tears. Yeah. They're in tears on and off for the whole two hours that I'm speaking. So right there and then I decided I wanted to travel around Australia. My goal was to go to 100 towns. Um, Jayco very kindly donated a motorhome um, for the duration of the trip. It took over two years to do and 55,000 kilometres we drove Gosh. and went to 100 towns. And I must be honest and say, when I got to town 83, I thought, I can't do this anymore. It's too hard. <laughs> it's just, oh, it was hard. Um, hard work mentally, physically. But I thought, you know what? I would never quit when I was a swimmer. Never. And I wasn't going to quit. I yeah. said, we're too close to 100. We're going to keep going. We'll push yeah. through. And we did. And it was amazing. You must have been and, exhausted. Uh, we finished. Yeah, I was. Um, but we finished off at Ayers Rock. Okay. And not not too long ago, I had a lovely email from one of the girls who came to my workout there. Now she came, she came to my workout, so she was with me for one hour. Okay. That's it. And she sent me an email a year after that date. She'd taken off twenty one kilos. Oh wow! So something that I said, something that she felt and thought on that day, changed her life. Yeah. And. I find that's what happens with people who come along to my seminars, my boot camps, follow me on Facebook, you know, interact with me. Um, and I'm a very open person. So, mm-hmm. um, I, I mean, I'm flying off in a couple of hours to go to Adelaide to do the same thing. So, you know, I speak all around Australia and I've done some overseas work as well, but it's, it's not just words, it's personal experience and it's the feeling that you get from it when you, when you hear me speak. Yeah, yeah, well, that's... That's one of the reasons I'd, I'd heard that, and and I haven't heard you speak. I must I'm, I must admit, but I had heard that that you had that effect. Maybe that is your secret power, because that was my uh, that was one of my my next questions. What's your superpower? But I'm also interested to know. Um, I'm thinking about the big events, and and in real estate, we we have our own big events. They're called listing presentations. When you go to when you're going to list list a property, there's a lot riding on it. You might get the you might get the mm-hmm. business, you might not, but Mm-hmm. Do you go through a process to prepare yourself? Is this something that one of your coaches helped you work out? What, is there a process that you go through before a big event? Yeah, absolutely. But it doesn't happen the night before. Okay. It doesn't even happen the week before. It happens 10 to 12 months before. Okay. Preparation is absolute, absolutely the key. Yep. Um, and if you have... Um, your list of goals, your dreams, you have everything... Um, in place and you work hard at it every single day, then the night before, you shouldn't be nervous. You shouldn't be worried about your presentation because you know that you've done the work. Yep. Um, so it doesn't happen by chance. You make it happen and you make it happen by the months and months of preparation beforehand. Yeah, the preparation gives you the confidence to, uh, to, not, to not be nervous or, or not panic. Well, you'll always be nervous. And, and, and nerves are a way of telling your body that you actually care about what you're doing. Yeah. So there's always nerves. But if you can stand up at your presentation, if you can stand up behind the blogs and knowing that you've done absolutely everything that you need to do for this moment, then regardless of what happens, you have to stand back and be happy with yourself because you covered everything. Yep. Mm. What do you think is your superpower? Um... <laughs> Uh, I actually don't know it, but I've been told that it's the effect that I have on people when they yeah. come in contact with me. Yeah, I'd agree with and that. And interestingly, yeah, interestingly, um, 
that's how I felt when I was around my coach. That's the effect that he had on people. And I learned, and I, I learned so much from him. I have so much respect for him. And the day that he died was the worst day of my life. But he lives on through me. He lives on all his philosophies live through me. And I believe that my swimming career was a moment in time um, to set me up for what I'm doing now. Yeah. And you know what? What I do now is when when someone contacts me and they've lost twenty or thirty kilos and it can actually save their life. Yep. That that to me is much more than any gold medal will ever do. Yeah. Yeah, that's that's your personal reward, I guess, because you've been given this gift. Yes, yeah. Yeah. And it, I mean, it didn't always come easy. It was it was difficult. I remember the first time I had to get up and speak in front of a crowd. I had no idea what I was going to talk about. I had, you know, people, when you win, people think you can automatically speak and sing and dance, and you know, I couldn't do any of that. But every time you do one, it becomes a little bit easier and a little bit easier and a little bit easier, and then... You know, with, with age and experience comes more stories and it's about formulating um, a presentation that you know will affect people and I've got that down pat now. Yeah, yeah. Except, yeah. My, except my speeches keep getting longer. <laughs> oh, okay. Well, maybe you've got more information to give, so there's well, a reason for that. I do, I do, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Let yeah. me ask you something that I've, I've never asked a champion swimmer because I don't think I've ever spoken to many, but... Why do you guys get up so early? Why does the training start so early? You know what? I actually have no idea. <laughs> um, actually, no. It's because kids have to go to school. Okay. But like 4 so, o'clock or I something? Mean, 5 o'clock or I, I guess? No, I don't know not really. Times. No, look, I, no, I dived in at quarter to 6. Okay. And, okay. Finished it at, and finished at quarter to 8. Okay. So um, I know there was a coach in Brisbane who had his senior swimmers in. They had to dive in at 4.30. Right, um, and they'll finish by six thirty, and I don't know why. I don't know it was why it was so early, but I really cringe if I have to get up before five a.m. Yeah, um, but really, it's because kids have to go to school, and but some kids go home before they go to school. Okay, my mum used to meet me at the pool with my breakfast. She'd drive me to school. I'd eat the breakfast in the locker room, and then go to my first class. I even missed assembly. I had a note to say I didn't have to go to assembly because I was coming from swimming training and had to eat my breakfast. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, well, thank you. That uh, that makes a lot of sense, I guess. So uh, I didn't I didn't think of it that way. Um, yeah, well, I think if there's some adult, like, swimmers that don't go to school or don't work and all they do is swim, you know, I think, you know, they may start a little bit later these days. Okay. Mm. Yeah, okay. Um, I want to thank you. Uh, I'm going to put the, the link to KISS in the show notes. Um uh, and I'm going to put a little download in there for, for everybody as well. Um, and I'm going to talk about that in, in my intro. Uh, I want to say a, a, a big thank you because uh, I know you're busy and you're traveling and stuff like that. And it's taken taken us a while to get together and, and record this interview. But yeah, you're an inspiration. You're changing lives in so many ways. Uh, thanks so much for your time. Thanks so much, Ray. And if I can just add one more thing too, yes, my please. other business. <laughs> yeah. My other business is um, Happy Hormones. Oh, okay. And Tell us about that. Yeah. Now, well, Happy Hormones is a natural um, hormone supplement that rebalances your hormones. So, um, put it bluntly, um, a lot of women um, go through, you know, terrible moods. Yes. Tired, cranky, being irrational. Yep. Um, and if people go to the website, they can download the online assessment. Okay. 
fill that in, you get the assessment back. There's loads of great information. We have had incredible results um, with this. I've been working on this with my naturopath for years. And the interesting thing about happy hormones is that the, the symptoms of hormonal imbalance are very, very similar to the symptoms of depression. Okay. And antidepressants are the most prescribed drug in the world. Yep. And yep. so if someone's feeling down, they go to the doctor. The doctors are not specialists. They're not hormonal specialists like okay. um, my naturopath is. Right. And it's too easy to be prescribed an antidepressant. So they're, they're given the prescription, they go off, and they're not depressed. They're just the hormones are out of balance. Okay. Um, okay. So this is... Um, and this is an all-natural remedy. Absolutely all natural, um, uh-huh. yeah, the website's happyhormones.com.au. Okay. There's a Facebook, um, private Facebook group page where women can go on there and just download, vent, do what they have to do. And it's really supportive, encouraging and positive um, site. So we are getting amazing results from that as well. And once again, it's all about improving the quality of life for people. Yeah, yeah. well, you're... you're and I guess every guy out there, every guy out there wants a happy wife, so... <laughs> Happy think, wife, happy life. I think that goes without saying, but um, uh, you know, you've touched so many lives, and uh, and everybody looks to you uh, as a as a great example. So, thank you again for your time. Have fun in Adelaide, and uh, I look forward to talking to you soon. All right, thanks very much, Ray. The Top Agents Playbook Podcast is proudly sponsored by Locked On Real Estate's best software. For show notes from this episode, free downloads, your Locked On Discount for Life link, and Ray's blog, head over to topagentsplaybook.com.